0: Hello, and welcome to the Sport for Business podcast. Today, we bring you the latest in the Sport for Social Good series in partnership with our friends at Allianz. Darkness into Light is a fantastic 10-year partnership between Pieta House and Electric Ireland. And this week, we had the opportunity to speak to Claire Shine, writer of the autobiography Scoring Goals in the Dark last year, which was a really open and honest look at how she had had to turn her life around. She spent time in Pieta House and the conversation that we had with her was really striking.
1: This is is actually, it gave me goosebumps there even thinking about it, because, you know, I had my spells in Pieta House and to be the ambassador and and to, to be able to uh, help other people and being in this platform now was something I never ever would have thought of.
0: This is an event that is going to bring 100,000 souls out of their beds or maybe out before they've even gone to bed to walk at over 200 locations up and down the country. It's a very special morning where mental fitness and remembering those lost to suicide are to the fore. Walking into the dawn and talking out the feelings that thrive in the darkness. But this simple idea needs a lot of support to come to life. Let's find out from Claire just how easy or indeed difficult it was to actually raise these subjects in her own mind.
1: To help people who you know who you know are, are finding it hard to to push past um, certain demons and things, and you know it just takes one person to to hear this and to hear someone talk about things like this um, for them to to reach out and get get the help that they need. And you know I'm never going to shy away from these opportunities. I think. The more people who who speak about these topics, uh, the better. And I think it's just a really important topic to
0: talk about. You decided to step away from football eight months ago now. What's it been like for you since then?
1: Um, it's been an interesting one. Um, my life's on a 360 flip. Um, there's no denying that. Um, you know, I, I moved home this first week of November. Um and it's just been trying to adapt to to the the big bad world I suppose you know I've never had a job before um before I stopped playing and and when I moved home you know it was something that I had to do um and I got a job in Pepsi uh, in a manufacturing company um which has been really good it's been fun um you know it's a massive eye-opener to to what actually goes on in, in the real world I think you know when you live and um in when you live and and are involved in, in professional sports you live in a bubble um you don't really know what's going on in other areas of the world and and life I suppose and um for me it, it was a massive eye opener to to realize that there's a lot more out there than just football uh, and I knew that you know coming up to the last you know six months of my playing career it was something that I wanted to do I wanted to educate myself in other areas um I wanted to to throw myself into the deep end and and to, you know, hit the big bad world and, and see it for what it truly is. Um, I'm doing a life coaching course as well at the moment, um, which is also eye-opening. Um, you know, it's, I've learned a lot about myself throughout it. And I think there's a massive gap there in women's football as well that that needs to be explored and then to, you know, help people reach their potential and to support players, you um, a lot more off the pitch than, than on the pitch. Uh, I think there's a massive gap there. And, you know, my goal is to really, to, to help people to, especially athletes to be able to do that. Um, so the more I educate myself, the more, you know, I'll be able to build a platform to be able to go and, and help athletes as, as best as I can. Um, and yeah, I'm just, you know, taking each day as it comes and, um, a lot of opportunities has have opened for me since I've stopped playing. You know, I'm doing a bit of commentary for the Irish Women's National Team. Um, and I'm looking forward to the World Cup. You know, if my flights booked, and and I'm ready to go. So to be able to be a fan for once is is really exciting. Um, and you know, I'm actually a lot closer to football now than what I ever was when I was playing. I feel um, it's just been it's been really nice to be able to take that step back and then to be able to to support the girls um you, you know from from the stands and and from my couch at home and to be able to watch the the all the games on TV you know something i never really was able to do when i was playing cuz i constantly had training myself and constantly playing myself i haven't been able to to go to the games i went to the emirates on monday to Watch the Arsenal girls uh, play in the semi-final, and that was just huge. You know, sixty thousand fans in the Emirates sell out, and to be able to watch it as well, my mom as well was was massive. Um, I don't yeah. think I've um, gone to such a significant game and and seeing a sea of red. You know, I'm an Arsenal fan through and through, so to be able to go there and watch the girls sell out the Emirates was was massive and these are you know the opportunities that I had never been able to do when I was playing so I'm just you know taking each day as it comes and and saying yes to as many opportunities as I can um and just seeing where life takes me um it's been it's been good and it's been enjoyable of course there's obviously times where I'm like oh I'd love to be playing in that game or I'd love to be you know involved in some uh way shape or form but um that's person parcel of, of stepping away from it. And I knew that and I was ready to enjoy the difficult moments as well as enjoying life away from sports too.
0: You were going to stay in Glasgow, but then you decided to come home to Cork. How important was that?
1: I just felt in that moment that I wanted to come home and spend time with my family um, and my friends and my girlfriend as well. Um, you know, I'd been away from home for a number of years, so I wanted to come home and, and to you know, go through these uh, moments with my family and, um, you know, deal with not playing sport as well. I wanted to have that home comfort um, and to, to have those surroundings and be comfortable in the transition of going from a professional athlete to the big, bad world. So, um, yeah, it's been smooth sailing. Um, and I'm just glad, you know, that I've had that support as well. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I'm just taking it day by day and and to, um, yeah, take up uh, as many opportunities as I can uh, along the way.
0: It's great being a professional footballer, I guess, but there are plenty of demands as well. Does it feel a little bit like a weight has been lifted from your shoulder when you hung up your boots?
1: Yeah, definitely. Even though, you know, still when I bump into people, they're like, oh, um, how are you getting on now that you're not playing football like my name is still you know always going to be involved and in, in the footballing context which is completely um completely normal um but you know I had to make that leap and that jump for myself I needed to do something I needed to change you know I just found myself in a vicious cycle all the time um and I didn't want to put my body and my mind through that you know I had a, a glimpse of of um what life could be away from football when i had stopped playing um and don't get me wrong you know football did save my life and the community did save my life so you know i am very grateful for that um but i needed to take that step for myself and then to open other opportunities and and to go after them um with a hundred percent um you know in football it's it's as i said you live in a bubble and um there's not a lot of things that you can do um, outside of the schedule because you're constantly training and constantly looking forward to the next game. Um, whereas now, as I said, I'm a lot more flexible to to going to games and then to, you know, being a fan, um,
0: which is also really enjoyable as well. That idea of going into life coaching is interesting. How do you think that that might actually be able to help some of your former teammates or future footballers?
1: Um, I think, you know. The mindset is huge as an athlete. Um, Having a a positive mindset is something that I think goes under the radar a little bit. You know, as an athlete, there's a lot of demands and expectations, not just from you, but from the fans and and everybody else that watches it. And the way the women's game is going, it's just getting bigger and bigger and you're in the spotlight. Um, And I think, you know, how you're looking after your mental health and your well-being is extremely important because if you get bogged down by what people are saying and about you or if you have a bad game and things like that you know you you can sit in that and you can dwell on that um but you know it's 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 learning about yourself and having that self-awareness to to know that you know you're a lot bigger than what people may seem uh you're a lot better than what people are saying about you you know and when you're in those kind of negative mindsets and and trying to and getting bogged in by what people are saying about you or a bad game or if you're going through an injury, you know it's very lonely at times. And to be able to be comfortable, you know, on your own and and to try and deal with these things on your own can be quite difficult. So I think you know the support network around athletes needs to to improve a bit better. Um, and I think that comes with experience from other players, and it comes from you know. Players who have been in the game as well, who understand um, the game and and the um, the demands that that football and sport can have on someone. Um, you know, you're seeing at the moment that players are playing two games a week for the last number of months. That's bound to catch up on players, and that they need to have that safe space to go and speak about how they're feeling. You know, whenever, when everyone you're tired, you seem to be a lot more. Uh, emotional, but I seem to be a lot more emotional too. So that's when the the mental health and the wellbeing support needs to come into play. They need to be able to, you know, step up and, and to support these players, especially, you know, when things are, are going well, as well as when things are going bad. I think, you know, there needs to be that balance and, and players need to be supported
0: 100%. These are difficult things to talk about, but you did it brilliantly in the book. Um, can I just bring you back to that? I of think we've course. seen in the last... 10 minutes that you're, you're definitely, you can talk anyway. Um, it <laughs> yeah, it must've been a very easy job for Gareth just to sort of point the microphone at you and, and, and let you go. How did you find it?
1: Yeah. You know, it was, a, the process was unbelievable. You know, I, you know, school and, and things like that was something that I always put to the back front because of sport and I always wanted to play sport. So when it came to actually writing the book, I was like, well, wow, I'm actually quite good at talking and I'm actually quite good at writing and, and being able to vocalise how I feel. Um, I've been journaling for the last 10 years. Um, So I had pretty much everything done before the book came about. Um, I journal a lot anyway. So when it came to it and and me and Gar were sitting down and and trying to structure it and he was unbelievable throughout the process, you know, he did the bones of putting it all together, structuring the paragraphs and excuse me, and the chapters and things like that. Um, We did, you know, multiple Zoom calls and he would just ask me questions and I would just ramble on like I'm doing now. Um, So it was was intense at times because I had to relive everything again um, and speaking about it, like I'm I'm good at journaling, but nobody sees my journal, so I'm able to to throw things in on page on the paper so when it came to actually speaking to Gary, like he was unbelievable in understanding like there was no judgment there, you know he was with me one hundred percent throughout the whole process, and you know I couldn't have done it with a better man um you know he knew a lot about me that I actually forgot about you know in terms of the football aspect of things and things that I had achieved. You know, in the moment when you're playing, you don't appreciate what you have done until, you know, you look back on it. Um, so when I was in the process of doing it, he was like, "You know, you've achieved this and you've done this," and I was like, "Wow, that's actually pretty cool." Um, so we worked really well as a team, and you know, I'm just glad the way it came out, and and I've got a lot of really positive feedback from it as well. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was really cool. It was. No,
0: it was, and 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 it was a great. If difficult read um, mm-hmm. at times as well. That the, the question of journaling. Can you just remind us as to what what it was that actually got you into that? Because you obviously, you know, you've been through the mill, but mm-hmm. you get the impression that you've you've always understood that you were going through the mill. So you, the, that sort of, you know, there's probably some deep psychological reason behind that. But journaling is seems to be a really important way for people to actually make the journey and to come out the other side. What was it that sparked it for you?
1: Um, Strangely enough, now that we're on this topic, I was in Pieta House in 2015. Um, I had two spells in there. And when I was going through that process, you know, I had no idea what mental health was. Um, I had no idea what was going on in my life at that time. So when I actually went into Pieta House and I was going through the process of of learning about myself and why I was the way I was and why I, I was, you know, thinking the way I was thinking, um, that's when um, journaling came up and. I remember being in there and, and saying, I can't write about these things. I was never good in English. You know, I thought journaling was part of English. And when I was in school, you know, I didn't want to do that. And then I remember coming away one evening and and I started to write about, you know, um, my experience in in that counselling session in Pieta House. Um, and that's where it kind of came from. And I never looked back. So when I was in Pieta House and um things like that that's where you know I started to learn about myself and I started to learn about mental health as a whole um and that's where I got my my the start of my education throughout it and you know they they taught me and they told me you know that I'm not alone going through this and if I can just pick up a couple of things to help distract myself at times and and to be able to you know put my my words down on paper that is another release because i found it really hard to talk about in those sessions in pieta house so being able to journal was something that i fell back to because that was the only way i was getting my release um so funnily enough that we're on a zoom call and and you've asked me that question because my journaling actually came from my experience in, in pieta house and you know this is is actually it gave me goosebumps there, even thinking about it, because you know I had my spells in Pieta House, and to be the ambassador and and to to be able to uh, help other people, and being in this platform now was something I never ever would have thought of. Even speaking about it the way I'm able to speak about it now, um, when I was in there, would have been there was no way I would have been able to do that. So, you know, starting off your process, it's been a long process, but it's worth it. Um, and, you know, journaling is something that has helped me progress and, and has helped me, you know, build that awareness and, and help me understand mental health and understand me a lot more as a human being, especially away from football. You know, I'm in that category of being a footballer and everyone wants to know the footballer. But, you know, I'm a lot more, um, there's a lot more to me than than just football. Um, and that was one of the the main, you know, things that I did get from from my visits to Pieda House was, you know, being able to have that release and, and to find one, just one thing that, that can help. And, you know, 10 years later, I managed to write a book from, from starting my journey in Pieta House. And yeah, that's, it's, it's actually when I'm talking about it now, it's gives me goosebumps. Um, yeah, I've come a long way and, um, the journaling has definitely played a massive part in that.
0: Sorry about that. Goosebumps at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday. I know. I know it it is. It's thing. mad.
1: I I I'd never actually thought about it like that until you had asked me and sparked it, a couple of things. So that, yeah,
0: that's that, good. that idea of like, you know, one conversation, one person, one moment in time. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant that you can track it back to that. And this Saturday like you know i think most of us so many of us have have actually done uh you know a darkness into light walk um our ga club we do a, a swim a, a sunrise swim as 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 part of it as well but do you like is there is there something like is there something that you can imagine that somebody might come up to you this saturday i, I guess you're walking it probably down in cork are you mm-hmm. yeah I with my mom you. in
1: cork yeah
0: brilliant and and is that a Is that a responsibility that you kind of that you really welcome that somebody might come to you that's going through what you were going through and just ask you to be that person, that conversation? Is that something that really kind of fires you up?
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, I've had a number of people, you know, contact me on social media um, since I have gone quite vocal about my mental health and stuff. Um, And there has been. Many stories and many people who are now like you know out the other side um and there's this particular this one just rings a bell, but my he's actually a good friend of mine now um a year ago, he reached out to me um he had just started his recovery process with addiction, and he reached out saying that you know um I had seen a post on on social media and I had liked it and shared it, and he messaged me afterwards, being like you're Social media platform and your story actually helped me getting sober. And he's now coming up to his two years sober. And, you know, he's making all these appearances on TV and he's helping other people. He's also doing life coaching as well. You know, it it just takes one second, one moment, as you said, to change someone's life um and that and that's all it takes it does it it just knowing somebody else has been through that is huge for someone who's going through that start of their process because it is daunting like having to talk about it is it's the worst feeling ever because you can't even get your words out because you just start crying it's all that build up of emotion to be able to you know understand what you're actually going through and you're not going through this alone there's so many more people out there who are going through the same things and it's just realizing that uh, and knowing that there is a way out, you know, there's a number of, of, um, support out there for people, you know, Pieta House, they're massive. And this walk is, you know, it's worldwide. You know, I, I have seen so many different walks, uh, around like the world, you know, over the last number of years and it's huge and that's how big it's after getting. Um, and it just takes, you know, one person to even attend this walk and, and to be like, great, right, okay, I'm going to I'm going to make that jump. I'm going to go on and ask for help. Um and I can remember doing the walk. Um I had just finished in Pieta House in 2015 and I did it in in, in Dublin with my Rohini teammates and they had known that I was in there. And I think I cried for the, the whole walk from start to finish. I was crying and they were crying and you know it just it just takes moments like that to see that you have that support and you have people around you. But when you're going through that and you're in that moment, it's very, very hard to see. And, you know, um, I am one of the lucky ones, you know, to to come out the other side. Um, and I'm just grateful, you know, for the support that I have been getting and um, that I am able to, you know, attend the, the walk on Saturday. And I'll be wearing my T-shirt and I'll be with my mom. And yeah, it's going to be a special moment.
0: So I think we're all grateful that you've come out of it as well. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully more smiles than tears then on Saturday. Oh, yeah. But yeah. if you are tears, <laughs> maybe they'd be good ones. <laughs> yeah, all right,
1: listen,
0: thanks, thanks a million, Claire. That was great. Thank you. If you were listening before May the 6th, there is still time. Find out where you can walk at darknessintolight.ie. And if that date is in the rearview mirror, then you can still donate and make sure you set your alarm for the first Saturday of May next year. Thanks to Electric Ireland for their long-standing support of this event and indeed of Sport for Business. Special thanks also to Allianz, who support us in this series and are genuinely investing in making the world a better place through their own sporting partnerships with Paralympics Ireland, the Olympic Movement, the GAA, and through their Stand Strong campaign. Find out more about what we do in the space where sport and business come together at sportforbusiness.com. And join us every Tuesday and Thursday for our latest podcast across a range of issues from leadership and social good to sponsorship, women in sport, technology, and so much more. Thanks for listening.